everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Brownlee, and I'm very excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about horror movie music. And uh, for this very special conversation, I am joined by our resident musician uh, who has an EP coming out today, the day this podcast comes out. Please welcome back Eric Asperschlager. Hi, Eric. Hi, Patrick. How are you? I am okay. How are you? That's right. That was my rock star voice. Could you tell? It was. It sounded this very... This is my rock star <laughs> it sounded voice. Very... It sounds like you've had a hard life on the road. Do I sound like I might be a black crow of some sort? <laughs> that's what I that's what I, when I think of rock stars. I think of the black crows. I don't know why. I don't even like the black crows. No. I don't really know the black crows. But I, when I think of the rock stars, I could think of Led Zeppelin. I could think of the Beatles. But no. Black crows. Like right in the middle. Right in the middle. I think you right, you got right. This, you got the spectrum of rock stars and right smack dab in the middle of the black crows. You went right to shake your moneymaker. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I meant counting crows. Oh, got it. <laughs> That's sorry. Wait, different. no, I'm sorry. Very different. I meant I meant Cameron Crow. <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, congratulations on the EP. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. Uh, at this point, we're, we're I don't want to pull back the curtain on this, but I I'm still mixing the EP when we're talking about this. But on the day this comes out, my plan, which I will will into existence by the very nature <laughs> of this podcast going live, is that uh, my three song EP will be available at least on Bandcamp, uh, and be winging its way ever so slowly to various other streaming sites, your iTunes and your Spotify's and all the rest, um, whatever they may be. So uh, keep an eye on, uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to, find out exactly when it hits your favorite uh, streaming or uh, downloadable site of, of uh, choice. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I've been trying to writing songs solidly for a year and a half now um, and tr- just trying to get my head around uh, doing that, A, and then uh, now trying to get my head around recording them and making them sound like, you know, they're good. And it's been quite a process. But I, I feel like I feel like this is this is the moment I could have chosen any moment to, uh, you know, to, to say this is my debut. It wasn't last year. It wasn't it wasn't the songs I wrote last year. It wasn't. At this movie fest, it's this. This is the moment. I, th- I feel like these are good enough to be called an EP. And even as I say that, I feel incredibly uh, pretentious because the <laughs> sort of self-deprecating part of the back of my brain says, "Well, is it really an EP? Are you? Mm, how big are those britches?" But I'm uh, I'm excited about it. We're gonna we're gonna listen to the songs uh, later in the show. We're gonna debut yes uh, here on the podcast, and then you can go out and. Uh, Find them in slightly higher quality versions elsewhere later on if you'd like. So it feels very fancy that we get to debut songs. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's not like we're live, so someone right. could listen, wait to listen to this, and then find out, you know, and then it's not really being debuted for right. them because they may hear about it. And I can't really wait for every single person on the planet to listen <laughs> to this podcast before I promote the songs. I could, I suppose, you're you're kind enough to bring me on the show. I should probably wait. So. Let, so when the last person listened to this podcast, yeah. email me. Yes. At uh, do we need like a phone tree system or what do we? How do we probably? Work this out? Okay. I mean, I mean, basically, like uh, I think you you write a, you have to get a postcard. Okay. You send it to seven other people. Right. Oh. And you and you'll get you'll get postcards in return. <laughs> 
Um, just put a dollar in each envelope. Okay. I know I said postcards, but you can't staple a dollar to each postcard. <laughs> I think that's how this works. I'm, bra- I'm new to this. I'm not a rock star yet, <laughs> but I think this is how streaming music. Uh, I think that's how I get paid. I get paid in dollar bills stapled to postcards. I again, brand new to this, brand new to the rock star world. It's how the Beatles did it. I'm pretty sure they were pound notes. Uh, they didn't have staples in the 60s. No. I don't believe. No. Yeah. Staples were not invented until the store staples uh, came out. Um, uh, came out like it was released. The store staples came out on Make It. What, what <laughs> they are announced, we talking about? I remember when they announced the store staples on a podcast. Yeah, just, um, <laughs> they, did, they debuted a store on a podcast. It was called what, Staples. What, uh, where is your band camp and Twitter? Where can everyone find you? <laughs> my Twitter is uh, at Asperschlager, mm-hmm. although I think you can search for my stage name, mm-hmm. which is uh, Eric with an H, because mm-hmm. Eric Asperschlager is unwieldy. <laughs> but Eric, but Eric, Eric with an H uh, sounds snappier mm-hmm. and is also instructional, because then it's like, how do you spell my name? That's there you go, Eric with an H. Um, my bandcamp like bandcamp page, as of this very moment, has not been created. I have to ah, do that tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow slash yesterday. So again, follow me on Twitter. I bet I bet at this movie uh, will also. Um, or you, if I let you know, you'll probably even put it in the show notes for this. I I can do that. Yeah. I mean, there are various things we can do, not to peel back the curtain <laughs> that far, because as we know, peeling back curtains is never a good idea. You don't know what's going to be underneath the gates are open the gates are open (laughs) uh we are still going strong in scary movie month hopefully everyone is taking part in the scary movie challenge every time you watch a horror movie in october you go to fthismovie.com you find that day's scary movie challenge post and you write a seven word review for whatever movie you watched and uh something we like to do on each episode during scary movie month is read some of our favorite seven word reviews so, Eric, I will let you start. All right. I'm going to start with Jeff Quinn on Village of the Damned. On second thought, I don't want kids. <laughs> uh, Brian Sager had one that I really liked because it references sort of a running joke from F this movie. Uh, Brian Sager says of Night of the Creeps, you know Atkins fucked that gas can. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did. Uh, Chaby, people under the stairs. Big Ed finally snapped over silent drape runners. Nice. Twin Peaks. Uh, our very own Rob DiCristino of The Prowler. Not the scariest thing in New Jersey. All right. Scott Jack on WNUF Halloween special. And this is scary uh, just for me personally because I'm <laughs> feeling old. The seven word review is I wish I was alive in the 80s. Yeah, right. What is that? I know. What I mean, come on. I mean, Look. I do, too. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, if you remember the 80s, you were definitely there. I mean, that's what they say, right? Uh, Jack C. says of The Greasy Strangler, I'll say one thing. It's a movie. <laughs> Mac McIntyre of Hell House LLC. Rockumentary, your mockumentary with lots of schlockumentary. I had that one as well from uh, uh, our mutual former colleague, Mac McIntyre. That's right. Yes, yes. Um, Frank Levesque has a good one because it's a reference, uh, for those of you who listen to how did this get made, uh, dead of night, AKA death dream. Could this be a Jacob's ladder scenario? <laughs> uh, Chris Blair of antichrist hostile meets audition meets fantastic. Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Chaos Reigns. Uh, Lindsay Wilkins of Hatchet 3. Mary Beth's Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> uh, Matthew Nicely of It. In my day, slow, co- slow clowns were scary. I screwed that up. In my day, slow clowns were scary. That's um, hard to say. Uh, our friend Scott Drebbit from Daily Dead and Corpse Club of Dogs. Man's best friend from Uncle. <laughs> uh, Louis Vilge. Vilge- <laughs> Rob just said it in the last episode. I listened to this morning. Camera. Louis Viljean. Viljean. Louis. Or Louis. Uh, get out. Stevens at the root of this evil. Nice. Cord Montgomery of Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. Wow, that sure was an entertaining title. <laughs> Aaron Keith on the Cabin in the Woods. The Wonka Vader, now an even scarier factory. <laughs> uh, random screen, screen name of Hereditary. Amateur bird surgeon plays telephone, Gabriel Burns. <laughs> Our own Michael Pomero. Yes. Uh, holidays. Where was Oliver Stone's President's Day segment? <laughs> uh, Aaron Keith of Carrie. This is such like a highly specific deep cut. Uh, Chris had a future as a ventriloquist. <laughs> I had to think about that for probably a minute straight. And then when I got it, it was the funniest <laughs> thing I'd heard. Uh, Darren Skaggs on The Exorcist 3. World's best bromance by split prequel. Nice. Uh, Matthew Nicely, once again, of Scarecrows. Slipknot Vanity Project arrives ahead of schedule. All right. This one I'm probably going to stumble over because it's alliterative, but I like it all the same. This is The Shape on Monkey Shines. Mind-melding, medically manipulated monkey murders many. That was impressive. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Uh, Alexander Zyre of Raw. Never use your sharpest scissors on pubes. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie, but it's true. All right. (laughs) Tyler Roger on Willow Creek. Blair Witch with Bigfoot works surprisingly well. I agree with that. I I like like Willow Creek. I'm not a big fan of all uh, pound footage, but that one I like a lot. Uh, This is my last one. Todd Slade of Hocus Pocus. Sarah Jessica Parker was on Coke, right? (laughs) I've got a bunch. All right. Yeah, go for it. All right. All right. Tom S. Tex on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The one where Michael's the celebrity cameo. <laughs> Kyle H. Halloween 4. Return of Michael Myers. Tactless store has killer mask in stock. And uh, I will wrap it up with our very own Adam Risky on nice. Lady in White. Well, a, a movie that we did a podcast on. Yes, a couple we years, did. A few years, probably like 10 years ago now. I don't know. Uh, Lady in the White. Filmed on location in the director's subconscious. Yes, right. That was an interesting podcast because... Uh... They yeah. did not realize it, but the director listened and then was commenting, and it was like, ooh, what did we say on there? I know. <laughs> I'm, if, it, if it was the two of us, I'm sure it was nasty. No, for sure. We do. We are but... just, whew, we, we are, are trash awful. talkers. Awful people. Um, anyway, these are fun, as always. Please keep it up, guys. I feel like every year they get better and funnier and more clever. So thank you. We will continue to read these on podcasts throughout the month. We're only about halfway as of well we're a little over halfway as of today um all right eric have you seen anything scary lately i have it has been a fractured sort of uh scary movie month because i've been spending so much time on these songs Mm -hmm. um to the detriment of you know work and uh, personal relationships and so on um i think my daughters are writing the cats in the cradle uh sequel that we've all been 
clamoring for. But I, I managed to squeeze in some movies. Mostly, I will admit, while doing other things. Uh, my, you know, I can't, can't dedicate a lot of, but I've, I've watched that. I've, I've paid close enough attention right. that I feel comfortable talking about them on a podcast. All right, hold on. Let me rephrase, rephrase the question. Please. Uh, Eric, have you gotten the gist of any scary movies lately? Sure. Let's say yes. <laughs> I'll say <laughs> no. Uh, and I, I think, you know, when I start every, every scary movie month starts with a great deal of anticipation and starts, I, I usually start every scary movie month, uh, with two, two ideas in mind. One. I need uh, I need a plan. I need a plan. I need to figure out like what movies am I going to watch, and I'm going to figure out. I'm going to make. I'm going to write them all down. I'm going to find the ones I haven't seen, all the ones I wanted to see. There's only 31 days. I got to pack them all in, and uh, that never pans out. And then the uh, second thing is, I forgot the second thing, but I thought of two things a while ago, like earlier before we were gonna, I was going to record this. I was yeah. like, there are two things that I want to do, and I forgot the second. Anyway, I was on a plan. I don't have a plan. And, uh, and so I kind of randomly watch things. Um, so I've somehow managed to group them into kind of loosely uh, thematic elements. And for some reason, the, the most kind of, uh, concise conceptual thematic, uh, grouping I've managed to, uh, come up with so far is I watched a bunch of Rob Zombie movies. I don't know exactly how, other than House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects were both on HBO. Mm Mm-hmm. So like, oh, I've you know, I've seen Devil's Rejects, I should watch that again. And oh, I've never seen House of a Thousand Corpses, I should watch that. So I watched that. And uh that's those are those are interesting. I like I still like Devil's Rejects quite a bit, although it's weird because I feel like and it's probably the point. I, mean, I guess it's a horror movie, so I feel like does he want us to care about these people? Because I can't or I shouldn't, and that's kind of weird, but at the same time I sort of do. I guess that's sort of the dichotomy he's going for. Right. I mean, we're supposed to be like, yeah, I mean, I I haven't watched it in a long time, but my greatest memory of that movie is, you know, these people are awful. They're monsters, they're murderers. And then there's a point at which he does this thing where he shifts our sympathies. Yeah. um, And all of a sudden we're sort of rooting against the person who is doing harm to them. And then in a flash, he reminds you that, oh, wait, no that was the hero and these people are the monsters. It, it's, it's yeah. this crazy thing where you're being swung back and forth. And I think it's a really impressive kind of magic trick. It is. It is. I think, I feel like he may love them a little bit too much. Oh, sure. Um, considering, I mean, I, I feel like if they had not, if he'd not gone as far as he went in the, the hotel sequence, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe you could feel a little bit more sympathy. Although at the same time, I'm also coming off of watching house of a thousand corpses, which is very, uh, intense and paints them as just not only like monsters, but almost supernatural. Yeah. Um, although I have to say it is pretty satisfying, uh, seeing what happens to Chris Hardwick in that movie, (laughs) but (laughs) in light of recent things, but, um, uh, and that, that, that's also much more kind of manic, a movie more in line with what I, watching that, I thought, Oh, okay, this is, this is the Rob zombie that I, I recognize from right. like even even sort of the the crazier stuff in Lords of Salem or um which is another movie that I rewatched uh this scary movie. Well, I actually seen I've actually seen that like 3 or 4 times now. Um and I I really like it. I I like watching it even keeping the book in mind because okay. I, I always talk about the book. Yeah. Every time Lord I got I talk about Lord of Salem, I talk about the book, which is not like I didn't discover the book. I think I read about it on like Birth Movies Death or something like that. So I'm not even the person who was like the for some reason I become like 
my personal evangelist of this of the, <laughs> the novelization of Lords of Salem, um, and kind of wish that he had made that movie. Although it's also nice to kind of have the more fleshed out version of the story just available in a secondary form. You can just kind of enjoy the craziness of the visuals and then go and you want to, if you want to learn the rest of the story, you know, reading rainbow style, you, you get the book and then you're good. And I think he did make that, make something closer to that, but a lot of it got cut out. Yeah. That it would, it would be, I, I would be very interested in seeing a longer version of that. And I, they're only kind of very specific sort of like scenes from, uh, you know, back in the 17th century that I remember mm-hmm. being cut out and some more stuff with the effect that the song and the witches have on the women of Salem. Right. Um, in the book. Have you, have you read the novelization? I have. Yeah. Okay, and, yeah. I, and I remember seeing the movie the first time, uh, I had not read the book, but I could tell that something had been really taken out because there's this middle yeah. scene where a bunch of women are hearing the song and it's having some effect yeah, yeah, on yeah. them. And one of them is Barbara Crampton. And it's like, well, there's no way he got Barbara Crampton for just one shot. Like clearly yeah. something was cut out of this movie. And I think all that stuff went, which is too bad. Yeah. But still probably, uh, probably still my favorite of his movies yeah, that I've seen. Mine too. Like I still haven't, uh, I, I've not revisited his Halloween mm-hmm. and I still haven't seen how his Halloween two, which I'm pretty curious to see if it was available more easily. I would watch it this move this month, yeah. but I probably won't get around to it. Um, I did, however, uh, because I signed up for shutter again for my, my month of shutter, right. Um, which last year turned into apparently a year of shutter that I didn't, didn't realize <laughs> I was paying for until like a couple months ago I'm like oh i guess i never canceled shutter after last october so that's how they get you that's how that's how i've that has happened to me uh with many many streaming uh and subscription services yeah. so it works it works <laughs> keep, keep keep it up um so i watched 31 mm. which i did not like Mm-mm. at all Mm-mm. i mean that was like aggressively unpleasant Mm-mm. even for him like that was uh I didn't like that at all. And I, it, yeah, it, 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 you know, I think I've said all this before, but it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's the movie that he's always been accused of making. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's like weird Rob zombie fan fiction. And it's a bummer because, you know, Lords of Salem, I think he took a chance and was not necessarily rewarded for it. The movie did not do particularly well, didn't get great reviews. I think now it has found a cult audience, but, and I think 31 is a little bit of like, him retreating back to, I guess, here's what people want from me. And, uh, yeah, that movie does just nothing for me. Yeah. It's sort of like, I mean, I, I, in your episode with Rob, you talked about watching Lords of Salem or he talked about watching Lords of Salem and you brought up the, uh, uh, the, the, the DJ radio scenes. And that sort of 31 is basically that (laughs) for an entire movie plus, plus house of a thousand corpses plus just rampant, awfulness yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, there's i mean there's like the, the, i want to talk about sympathy for characters there's like no sympathy for anybody at any point in that movie richard um, brake is really good as kind of the main yes, bad guy but he is. Uh, yeah the movie is relentlessly obnoxious and not very good yeah so uh yeah so that's so i guess i watched a bunch of rob zombie movie to uh to varying degrees of uh of success and effect wow, wow. um i revisited a couple other movies uh that with um that i like more um, I watched The Fog for the second time. Nice. Um, and I, I think the first time I saw it, I must not have quite known what to expect or 
I didn't I didn't go go with quite the right mindset. I mean, going into it thinking, okay, this is basically a ghost story. Um, it's I mean, it's great. Obviously, it's great. And I, I enjoyed it the first time I saw it, but it left me a little bit like, eh, I wasn't quite sure. But this time, yeah, I was really, really into it. I think partly um, hearing a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, kind of peripherally on the uh, the, the new um, Amy Nicholson podcast. I don't know if you've been listening to that. Halloween Unmasked. Unmasked, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so like that got me. It's like, oh, okay, I should watch The Fog again. And I kind of, as a, as a uh, you know, counterpoint to halloween and some of the other kind of like trying to do something different uh in a horror space that hadn't quite solidified into mm-hmm. this is what horror is um i like that I, I liked it a lot um i also rewatched uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon yeah which is a movie i didn't love the first time i saw it um and i liked it better the second time i think my only problem with it and it's it's not really a it's not necessarily fair. I mean, you know, I think they did what they wanted to do. I wish that for a movie that's supposed to be presented as reality, the acting was just a little bit more natural. Okay. It just kind of feels, um, it feels actory in a way, you know, it's, but it's supposed to be real. From, that, the, from that, the kids or from like, not from Leslie? Or do you uh, think from Leslie? Kind too? of across the board. Okay. I, I mean, everyone seems a little bit hamming it. I don't know. It's... I don't want to. I don't want to pick on the movie. I think. Mm-hmm. I think every, everyone does a. Everyone does a fine job, but um, in a world where American Vandal exists, <laughs> which is like, which is, I mean, I, 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 don't know how they did it, but like that's a show with pretty young actors where everyone feels like they are an actual person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's. I mean, and the you know the problem, the acting problem is not easily solved. It, it's all over all kinds of found footage movies, and it's it's hard, right? Because if you're if you have a movie that's supposed to be real, but the people in it don't feel real, then it just immediately breaks the right. illusion. Whereas if you have something that is, you know, supposed to be fiction, the same acting would probably blend in just fine. So now I know that Leslie Vernon is not real. <laughs> I was, I, I do not need it to be completely accurate, but you know, I, I still, I still liked it more the second time, knowing what to expect, and I, I enjoy that movie well enough. Yeah, I had kind of a similar experience. I saw it when it came out theatrically, and I was like, eh, I kind of like what it was trying to do, but for some reason there was something holding me back, and then I revisited it years later and liked it quite a bit more. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's. I, I guess that's sort of, the, sort of the thing about Scary Movie Month and horror movies in general is that we are a passionate forgiving bunch yeah oh yeah and i think i think that you know to talk about talk about the gates being open i think i think all of all of our gates are pretty open to a whole lot of stuff and and it doesn't really you know it doesn't have to be amazing for it to be good uh and doesn't have to you know just find an audience and to find people passionate about it um so all right that that the movie has a lot of passion yeah so. yeah for good sure. for them good yeah. for them uh anything else um, I mean, I watched some more stuff, but it feels like I've been talking for a while. The, the, <laughs> the only one that I'll mention is I, I watched the Malevolent, the, the Netflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think I read I, your review for this because it was very funny. Did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, that for some reason, that movie goes way farther than I thought it was going to do or that it even feels necessary given like the setup. It, it also feels like it starts so abrupt. I don't know. There's something about that movie that doesn't quite work. Um, like the beats they're trying to hit 
they rush through kind of mm-hmm. the setup it feels like and then when they get to the kind of the climax it just kind of goes off the rails in a way that i was not expecting just because it gets it's very intense it yeah. is a very intense film at a certain point i don't know that it necessarily earns that intensity um i don't know it was okay but i, I struggle to remember any of it and i saw it probably a week ago yeah and I have a feeling I won't even be able to remember the title, except for when somebody brings it up. I'll be like, what was that movie on Netflix? I don't know, because it just has some weird generic name. Yeah, I'm having I'm having trouble because I have both Netflix and Shudder at the moment. Uh, I keep seeing people talk about, I think, okay, there's Terrifier and there's Terrified. And I see them both yes. in my face whenever I go to either of those things. Yes. And I can never tell what people, I haven't seen either of them. So I can never tell what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if one of them is the good one and one of them is not the good one or if they're both not good or if they're, I can't tell. I have not yet watched Terrified. Um, but that's it the Shutter seems, one. That's the Shutter one. And okay. it seems to be getting a pretty warm reception. Okay. I have seen Terrifier and I would suggest you never watch it. Okay, I will not watch Terrifier. Yeah. I don't I mean I think I've I've had my murderous clown, you know, needs sated at various points in my life. I don't really <laughs> be it it, be it clown, which I actually liked more than I probably should have. Yeah, that was all right. Um but uh yeah, I don't Be it childhood. Be it yes, be it my day-to-day Your life. Your own autobiography. That's right. Um, I only have a couple that I can bring up because again, I'm doing one of these every few days. So I only have time to squeeze in a few movies between shows. Um, I watched a movie called Primal Rage that I had seen part of. It played at a festival last year, uh, Cinepocalypse maybe. And I had a screener for it and I started it and I never finished it. And then I wasn't able to review it and whatever. Um, so it just popped up on, I think it's on Showtime. So I went on their streaming service and watched it today. And, uh, it's uh, kind of a big, a killer Bigfoot movie, basically. Um, and the draw, and I remember what they were sort of advertising when it was playing at this festival was, you know, practical effects. And there's a really cool Bigfoot suit. They have a really cool monster. The practical effects are really good, but, um, the movie just feels really over long. It's it's almost two hours, and wow. I, I would say has enough material for maybe 80 minutes. Um, because once you get kind of to the halfway point, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, you kind of get to the halfway point, and the Bigfoot has taken out most of the hunting party. I'll just say that. Yes, people die in this movie. Uh, and then you're like, well, what's going to happen for the second half of this movie? And it turns out, not that much. Uh, there's an interesting development that I won't spoil and it has a pretty cool ending. Um, I mean, I think it's worth watching. Just recognize that, uh, it is flawed and uneven and longer than it should be. Okay. I'm going to pitch a horror movie to you right now. All right. Okay. Yep. Two words. Yeah. Very simple. All right. Bigfoot clown. Ooh. Clowns already have big feet. Right. Right. I like it. There. Yeah. You know, a clown takes off the shoe underneath. Yeah. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. If a clown honks a horn in the woods. Yes. And no one's around to hear it. Uh huh. Does Bigfoot exist? Well, I believe Bigfoot exists regardless (laughs) of whether clowns honk horns in the woods. It's a it's a it's a metaphysical quandary. Um, I I will I will always and I I'm interrupting you. I know. No, that's my. 
there are very few things that are you know certain in my life. But one is that if there is, if anyone ever claims to have found Bigfoot and wants to hold a press conference, I will watch that press conference. <laughs> I want more than anything, more than you know, more than world peace. Mm-hmm. More than my financial security, mm-hmm. more than my success as a musician, I want Bigfoot to exist. All right. Well, I don't want to meet Bigfoot. Sure. I don't want to see. I don't want to be in the same room. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to travel somewhere so mm-hmm. I can see a Bigfoot. I just want to know for certain somewhere in this world Bigfoot exists. Just so that we're on the same page, we're talking about the monster truck, yes? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, so good. Truck. <laughs> I've never seen it in person. No, right. I, I mean, it's just... It's physically impossible for tires to be that big. Exactly. I think that is the that's the main reason why people, you know, have scientists have proven that Bigfoot does not exist. But anyway, it's faker than the moon landing. I uh, I rewatched Seed of Chucky, which every time I watch it, kind of I I enjoy more. I remember seeing it the first time, and I was kind of like, I'm not crazy about that movie. And then I've probably seen it five times now, and each time I see it, uh, it becomes a little less uneven for me, and I recognize that it's going to be a lot of people's kind of favorite or least favorite, I should say uh, entry in the child's play series, because it is very much unlike any of the other movies in the series. It is very much unlike almost any movie I can think of. It is comedic in a way that even bride of Chucky is not, it is bizarre. It is a movie that opens with, you know, like jizz running down the camera and sperm uh, swimming. And it's about a doll and it's, it is very much its own thing. And so each time I watch it, I can appreciate it, not in the larger context of a child's play franchise, even though it is very much in the continuity of that series, but just as its own weird little individual entry, almost the way that like, it's not a fair comparison, but you know, when we talk about Halloween three, we're talking about it just as its own thing, right? Not necessarily how it compares to Michael Myers. Uh, Seed of Chucky is kind of like that. It it includes all the same characters and everything and advances the storyline, but it is so different tonally that it almost needs to be pulled out and just viewed as its own thing. And, and on those grounds, I enjoy it. Now, what would you say is the most consistent horror movie franchise? And I don't mean in quality, uh, but I mean in like the continuity of story, the, oh, you know, consistent. I mean, like, you know, there is not one <laughs> there. I, I, mean, like, I said the most. Uh, I'm like, I mean, like Halloween feels kind of fractured in a way yeah. that makes it very difficult to kind of look at it as a franchise. Like I've been watching, rewatching some of the nightmare on Elm Street movies. And that like, that's a series I will. Like, I don't I'm not even 100 percent certain that I've seen every movie in the franchise, but that is very easy for me to watch almost as like episodes of a long running TV series or something like that. Like my, like I know that the the shift from the first one to the rest is very different, but even so, once you get like up to three, it seems like it's kind of evens out a bit. And I guess the little continuity that there is uh, is consistent in terms of characters who only a few characters reappear in subsequent films, but each time it's like it's pretty consistent. So when Kristen shows up again in four, okay, we remember her from three, and when. Uh, Alice shows up again in five and okay. We remember her from four or Nancy in three to one. And, um, there's much... at least, there's at least a passing of the torch. Exactly. Even if, even if the torch is snuffed out immediately in the next movie, like at least it's going <laughs> to, because if you actually sort of map out the timeline of the Friday, the 13th series, 
it's bananas because at a certain point it's taking place in the future. And I'm not talking about Jason X. I'm talking about just in the original series and Halloween. I mean, they've reset it three different times now, right? I mean, we have the third one that has nothing to do with the other ones. We have H2O that ignores most of the previous ones. Now we have the new David Gordon Green one, which ignores all of them after part one. So it, there's multiple continuities in the Halloween franchise. I would say that's sure. probably the least. Sure. So you got, so Halloween is sort of like the lost of yeah. like it's <laughs> right, the alternate exactly. timelines going and Friday right. the 13th is, uh, I don't know what metaphor you want to go with. And Nightmare <laughs> on street is, uh, something else. Uh, that works. Uh, speaking of Halloween, you know, eh. Halloween, on the yes. on the, uh, on the most recent podcast, Rob and I were talking, and he'd mentioned the Halloween producers cut of, uh, or I'm sorry, the producers cut of Halloween Six, and I said, well, I haven't seen it, but one of these days I'm going to sit down and watch the theatrical and the producers back to back. Well, guess what? That's what I did. So I spent an entire day watching Halloween Six, a movie I'm not crazy about. Um, I will agree that the producers cut is a vastly superior film. I'm not positive. I really like that movie, but I definitely need to see it a few more times. I've only seen it once. It's not fair for me to really weigh in a concrete opinion because, you know, the more times we're exposed to these things, the more we're just like, yeah, it's good. It's fine. You know, I'll watch Seed of <laughs> Chucky a fifth time and eventually I'll come around to it. Um, a love of horror is really about becoming numb to the It's just about being movies. worn down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's about opening those gates. You know? <laughs> constant exposure and then you're just like yeah it's good it's fine um it is a much better movie i mean it is like i won't say that it makes sense all the cult of thorn stuff but they at least attempt to tell that story whereas the theatrical cut was like what none of that makes sense take all of that out so you're just left with sort of nonsense uh and they added in a bunch of really mean-spirited gore um so it was interesting what a different movie it was. I was not prepared for just how different the two films are. Um, the producer's gut is much, much better. I still have not seen that one. I've, I've only seen the very beginning of five. Oh, yeah. No, you're fine. I I mean, I still feel like I should. I still want, I want to. Like, uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've only seen four once. So I feel like I need to watch four again. See, four like and five four. are on Shutter. I know yeah. you like four. You like four. I like four. Again, I don't like five. Is it Stockholm? Is it real or is it Stockholm syndrome? Uh, no, it's real. Okay, it's I, real. I yeah. do not like five. In uh, fact, a I Stockholm might. Stockholm syndrome person would say the same thing, but okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I might like the producer's cut of six more than I like five. I'm pretty sure I do. I mean, I, I wonder how much of horror fandom, when it comes to franchises, especially, is just about like kind of a Pokemon collect them all type of a thing. Like you know, you got to see them all. Well, you, know, sure. you got to watch them all. Of you got to put them all in a put them all in a box right. in your brain. Right. How else do you sleep at night? I don't know. I don't sleep. <laughs> no. Freddie might get me. You're too busy uh, writing songs. You want to talk about uh, music? Let's talk about music. All right. Let's talk about mm, pop music. Oh, very nice. So we decided we were going to talk about um, songs from horror movies that we love. Yes. Do I have this right? Yes, songs. Uh, yes, songs are significant ones we love. Yeah, my criteria were kind of all over the place, so we'll 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 see what you think of my choices. But okay, yes. not, we're not talking scores. That's a very different we're conversation. We're talking about songs, and we're not even talking song. about original songs written for horror movies because Adam Risky has that well covered. I think I for the most part, into- I stuck to those. Okay, that's fine. 
Okay, so I'm talking about something different than you are. <laughs> I have one. Look, I'm just alternate. I'm just here to. I'm just here to promote my music. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I came in this morning Zoo Crew show of yours. When it I'll put uh, down the slide whistle. When it comes time to play a song, you just tell yes. me. Just say, "Hey, Patrick, now would be a good time to play one of my songs," and I'll do it. Why don't you just ask me to ask me to have a clip? Oh, yeah, right? I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, you brought a clip. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're talking about music. We're gonna start by talking about you know the freshest, hippest, newest music out there uh, by a by a uh, an artist named Eric with an H. If you I don't know if you've heard of him, mm-hmm. I've heard of him. H E R I C. That's exactly exactly how you spell it. Thank you, Patrick. Put that into Google, and you'll find my music uh, exactly where it belongs, somewhere <laughs> at the bottom of the list. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, so this so this so I started uh, you know last year I wrote that's the twist, which was my attempt to uh, come up with a you know EC comics creep show style horror anthology. But instead of it being a full ninety minute movie, I wanted to do it in a five minute song. So each verse was a story, and each chorus was the twist. And I said that was good. I still I still play that. I played that I played that song tonight at open mic because I still nice. enjoy it. But so it's another year. And what is you know, talking speaking of franchises, mm-hmm. what you know, what do you need? You need a sequel. You got to write a sequel. So, uh, so, so the, the 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 main song, the lead song on the EP is called "That's the Twist Again," and it is my attempt to sequelize the idea. Uh, new melody, new chords, new stories, more kills. Um, I was more kills. Uh, that's actually that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, I was I was only able to uh, to fit two stories in this time because I had a version of the song that had three stories and it was seven minutes long. Mm. So it was a little long. This is this, this, this version clocks in just a hair over five minutes, which, you know, is still pretty long, but it's the same as last year. So it's okay. So, uh, this is technically a bridge, which I guess you could consider to be another story or maybe it's a rap art. I don't know. You decide. Um, but anyway, that's the twist again. All right, let's hear it now. She danced with the 
That was terrific. Thank it you. It sounded for, great to me. It did, you know, <laughs> it it did. Uh, no, that was that was really, really, really cool. Thank you. I, you know, we were texting earlier today, and I just keep marveling at uh, your talent. You know, not only in songwriting, but in the way that you layer all these different uh, instruments, and they're all playing different things. You know, I used to play in a band. It was like we'd write four chords, and then all of us would play those four chords, not like playing different parts. And uh, all of your songs have all these different parts going on. It's it's uh, it's pretty impressive to me. Well, thank you, bro. Pasha, as yeah. they say. Yeah, Pasha well with says, an H. Pasha, <laughs> there is an H in Pasha. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. Oh, oh, for sure. Otherwise, anyway, it would just anyway. be like uh, saw. Um, saw. So let's talk about better songs. Let's now. well, let's talk about songs that were in horror movies because yeah, that's okay, the that's twist true. again. Has not been in a horror movie yet. Yet, yet being the qualifier. I'm still waiting. For someone to option my songs as as a horror movie. Yeah. Or two. I've got Pick up the phone, producers. I'm <laughs> I'm very cheap. Um but so let's talk about songs in horror movies, songs from horror movies. Uh we're each gonna yes. pick five and talk about them. Eric, I will let you go first so that I try not to repeat any that you have said. Okay. I doubt you'll pick this specific song okay. this song uh i think uh, is representative of uh, a larger 
body of work by this particular band that I think is just goes hand in hand with horror movies in general. The specific song that I chose is the version of I Want to Be Sedated from the movie Idle Hands. Now, I didn't realize until I looked it up tonight that it was done by The Offspring. Yeah, you're a monster. So I feel a little, <laughs> I feel a little bad about bringing it up. However, however, that did lead me in a roundabout way to a larger love of the Ramones. Sure. Um, and obviously, their version of the song is much better. All their songs are great. And they had this, like, so many of their songs are either... They have songs that are very specifically about horror movies, like Chainsaw and Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many, so many of their songs just kind of either have that weird vibe or have lyrics that you know feel like horror movies. Like uh, I don't want to go down in the basement. Uh, you know, comes to mind. There's, is there? I don't know. I think there's one. I think there's another one. There's, there, are, there are more. There are lots. Anyway, there's lots. I hesitate to give the idea away on a podcast but i have nowhere else to share but my dream idea for a horror anthology film mm-hmm. is one where every segment is based on a ramon song i love that idea like they don't have to be like doesn't have to be like an actual song it doesn't be the lyrics have to be horror but like you know we're a happy family like you know mm-hmm. there you go mm-hmm. i bet i bet i bet the family in that segment would not be happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know much like the people in the song. So uh, Pinhead almost again, writes itself. It's it really like I, <laughs> again, call me or just steal the idea. I mean, really like, you you know, you can, can we, can I, can I get a copy of this podcast to mail to myself just in case someone. Yes. Oh yeah. That's how that works. Right? Yeah, okay, that's thanks. how copyright okay, law well, works. All right. Just staple, just staple, staple it to a postcard, send it to me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm pretty glad that the, the first song on our list is uh, the offspring. Thank you for that. <laughs> Well, wait till you see the rest of them. They're all <laughs> offspring songs. I'm pretty sure uh, Creed has a song in a horror movie, maybe Scream 2 or 3, so maybe I should throw that on there. Um, I would name Pet Cemetery because that's, I think, one of the best, but I will pivot away from that for variety's sake since we already brought it up a little bit. Um, and my first pick is a song that was written for a horror film, and it is kind of as crazy as the movie for which it was written. And that is Angela's theme, parenthetical, Just What I've Been Looking For by Frank Vinci from Sleepaway Camp. It's just what I've been looking It plays over the end credits of Sleepaway Camp. And it if you've seen Sleepaway Camp, it becomes a very hard song to understand. Like, I love it for a lot of reasons. I genuinely like the melody. Um, I like that, like, the drums sound like they were done on an old Casio keyboard. Um, it all, The whole thing it has a weird kind of, like, demented music box instrumentation going on in the back and then the but the lyrics kick in and it's essentially this like romantic ode to angela who is 13 in the movie 
And then is a. also something exactly that's a, uh, and then when you know B, you're like, what is this? So- you're you're just what I've been looking for. Frank Vinci has very specific tastes. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, if you find something that specific, you're gonna write a song about. It. Like if you've been I looking guess- for something for that long and you find it, you write a song. It really seems like they found a song about a girl named Angela, <laughs> and then said, "Can we use this in the movie?" Or that it was about a different girl, and they said, can you change it to Angela, and we'll use it in Sleepaway Camp, because, my goodness, is it sort of at odds with the rest of Sleepaway Camp, but I genuinely love it. Maybe it was Pamela. Perhaps. Perhaps. Flangela. You know, some (laughs) other name that fits the same general. Perhaps. Perhaps. What if it was a song that was, what if that was the original theme song to Who's the Boss? Wow. Yeah. Very different show. Very that different would show. Work. Yeah. Very well. I mean, if they carried over the sleepaway camp <laughs> reveal, if you know, you get the shot in the credit. <laughs> Tony where Tony Danza opens the door and the, you know, Judith Light's got the, the, the towel. Right. Different. Right. That could be very different. They draw the sheet across the room, he pulls it back. Angela. Yeah, I whatever. think you definitely know who the boss is in that <laughs> What is uh, what is your next pick? All right, next pick. All right, is it another Offspring song? This is yes, no, but I like the Offspring version. No, I don't. Mm. Uh, and I'm here's the thing: I'm not 100 percent sure that this is a horror movie. Oh, but boy. you know what? No one gets to tell anyone that things aren't horror movies anymore. That's true. Everything's a horror movie. Either or nothing everything's either a horror movie or a Christmas movie. Right. You know, everything's Die Hard somewhere, or it's a Halloween in or something. So yeah. this is this is a horror movie because I saw it on a list recently. I think it might be part of Hulu's Halloween. I'm not sure, but it's a great movie and it's a very spooky scene, mm-hmm. very creepy, mm-hmm. very atmospheric in the way it's presented. This is from a David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. This is from Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. and this is Yorando, the Spanish version of crying in the uh, theater scene, which is haunting. Does it count? Uh, sure. I think it counts. I mean, I think enough of Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, you know, has one of the scariest scenes in any movie ever. So exactly. it so. has to be uh, at least partly a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's a great scene and a great pick and, and like kind of the point at which the movie turns, I guess I yep. should say. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, that, there are movies that I there are songs that I will put on from time to time for the sole uh, you know sole reason to I want to be moved I want to be moved to tears I want to I want to just be transfixed and moved to you know I just want I want to feel something yeah. basically is what it is it's the same reason I punch myself <laughs> um, I just, sometimes you just want to feel something so I put that song on and it's uh, man that really uh, that is quite a film. It is quite a film and uh, quite a song. Um, All right. My next pick is a fairly obvious one because it incorporates the title of the film as the name of the song. However, I feel that this band had their work cut out for them when they had to write a song with this particular title. Uh, And that would be the Dickies performing Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
can't be easy to write a song called Killer Clowns from Outer Space that is about killer clowns from outer space. This isn't a situation like Angela's theme where we're just transposing and making, okay, now it's about the movie. Um, so not only do they have to write a song called Killer Clowns from Outer Space about killer clowns from outer space, but they also write a really catchy, good song on top of it. And uh, I, I think that deserves recognition. Sure. I will, I, I will say... I'll offer a counterpoint. All right. Having written several songs Ooh, myself. Yes, that's right. That it's probably in some ways easier to be given such a specific task. Okay. I wrote a song called Angela. Like write a song called Angela's theme. Like what's it going to be about? You write a song called Killer Clowns of Outer Space. Do you know what it's going to be about? Uh, all right. All right. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, as I mean, you know, I mean, uh, uh, having written a song about a, twitter film festival oh that's right it's pretty specific at some point it's like <laughs> it's just going to be about this thing not to not to diminish their creative accomplishment i will say that it is very satisfying when you can pull something like that off yes and and, and make it, it a good you song. can do it very badly right they did it very well and that's a great movie they could have been told write a song called angela's theme and written it about killer clowns from outer space and, you know, honestly, no one could tell them they were wrong. No. <laughs> She's just what I've been looking for. <laughs> oh, Killer Cloud from Outer Space. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, uh, I'd be different in the sleepaway camp. Uh, very different. But, but what if they pulled back even farther and she had giant shoes on? <laughs> I'm just saying. We don't know. You know what they what say about somebody with giant back. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Angela's theme. I mean, that's the chorus. Just that's what I've been looking right for. There. <laughs> Oh, oh, Angela. <laughs> Angela. Angela. Um, all right, your next pick, sir. Uh, my next pick. Uh, I'm going to go with... Eh, I'm going to go with, uh, with a song mm-hmm. from uh, a movie. A movie of... Oh, there you go. See, again, very specific criteria. It gets a little bit easier. <laughs> a song that I've talked about already on this, on this show. I'm going to go with a song from uh, Devil's Rejects. Oh, and there are a lot. There are a lot of good songs, yeah. and a lot of them feel like they're just kind of there because they're good songs. But uh, I think I think the song that has the most impact for me uh, is is Midnight Rider that, that plays over the opening credits. Oh yeah, the um, Almond Brothers. Is it called? It's called Midnight Rider. Right? I believe I so. Assume that's what it's called. Right. I think that I know, you could. I think there are people who might say no. It's Freebird at the end. Although I say. That lasts a little bit too long, mm-hmm. but I think. But uh, Midnight Rider like plays over. I, I love in the opening credits where he has like the still frames, kind of action goes into the still frame in that kind of like seventies Duke Boys sort of way, um, and I think it's used to great effect to both kind of hold the tension and kind of release it uh, when they're kind of escaping and when yeah. they murder the woman in the car, and it's used very well. You know what's happening, you know what's coming, uh, as opposed to. On the other end of things, Freebird, which is just slow motion that kind of goes on forever. Although, still, it's a good song. So, you know, who's going to complain about a good song? It does go on way too long. It does a little bit. But <laughs> Freebird, it's, I mean, it's a long song. Good when point. you have a long song, you got to fill it out. <laughs> um, as much as I was not crazy about 31, I do seem to remember there being a few decent, like, needle drops in that movie as well. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's good with the needle drops. I almost went with for this the Lords of Salem song from Lords of Salem. 
I assume it's Lords the of Salem. The one that the band performs, not his song, The Lords of Salem. Right. Sorry. Okay. Yes. The actual like instrumental. Yeah. 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 Drives everyone. It's very like effective. It's very effective. Yeah. I assume it's called Lords of Salem title, you know, just what I've been looking for. <laughs> Parenthetical. It's called, uh, there's more of this song in the novel. Right. <laughs> I have to, I do have to wonder a little bit and now not, you know, going back to Lords of Salem for a second. I know we're talking about devil rejects, but so they play this song. Mm-hmm. on the radio now i understand that it is a magical witch song that mm-hmm. puts puts women under its spell what do the guys the other djs think that the concert is going to be yeah right like here's here's they're playing this song for two hours i guess like i don't know <laughs> i don't know maybe they were hoping for more of like a stripped down unplugged set maybe yeah maybe that's always fun who could say for sure Maybe I guess they got the strip down part of the set. <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna try to go for like somewhat more obscure. I mean, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, very on the nose. Um, and there are other, you know, Dream Warriors by Dokken. Like there are certainly some pretty classic horror movie songs, songs written originally for horror movies that uh, are great. But we all know what those are. So I'm gonna try to um, pivot a little bit. And I am going to name a song not written for a horror movie, but used to brilliant effect. And it introduced me to this song. And for that, I will be forever grateful because this is a song I listen to way too much. It is a song by a Canadian artist by the name of Gowan, who I can only assume based on the video that I've seen is a, is like Canada's answer to both yanni and michael bolton sort of like he's filling a specific void um and the song's maybe from like 1990 or 91 it's called moonlight desires used to brilliant effect in wolf cop It plays during the jail love scene where Wolf Cop in wolf form is having sex with uh, uh, one of the female characters. And when I first saw the movie, I was so blown away that they had written a song that sounded so much like the song that would play in this scene in the movie. If this movie (laughs) came out in 1990, you know, I was like, this is so accurate. I cannot believe. And then I found out like, no, this was a real song that they found. And uh, it's a Canadian film, so they use this Canadian artist. And um, it's a song that I now love, unironically. Uh, and the the and the video is amazing because he's like CGIing into like a hawk and flying away, and he's constantly just making eyes at the camera. There's a weird shaman <laughs> running around. Like everybody should look That's up excellent. on YouTube. Oh, it's amazing. We do a, a scary movie night every mm-hmm. year at my house, and at some point, the music video for Moonlight Desires will always make an appearance. Um, the problem is that they made a sequel called Another Wolf Cop. And it's sort of clear that, I mean, they were always in on the joke, but now it's like, 
they've bought into the joke too much because now Gowan shows up in a supporting role and it's sort of like stunt casting. Hey, look, here's that guy. Aren't we being ironically hilarious? And it's it takes it a little bit too far. I like my Moonlight Desires sincere. Sure, sure. So, uh, sounds a little Goldberg's for me. <laughs> sure, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I, I, will, I will say one thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure Michael Bolton is Canadian. Oh, okay. So I think he already fills the Canadian void. I assume. I mean, and it's not even a. It's not even a. Argue. It's not even a good. It's not even a good one to one comparison because Michael Bolton was much more of sort of like an R and B type singer, and Gowan is not that. Gowan seems very sort of new agey. Um, sure, sure. Anyway, I love this song. You just you described it well. I thought you did. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of songs, you know, we were just speaking of songs. We were speaking of songs. Uh is it time How about for another, another song? One? Yes. It's time for another song. I think Yay. before we let this get away from us and like put two, <laughs> have to put two back to back because we didn't leave a gap for this song. Yes, the second song off of my currently and or futurely available EP um, is a little more. I don't know. It's it's got a bit of a story to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of loosely spooky in a way. It's called All the Rage, uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What would you say about it, Patrick? Um, I, I like all three of these songs, I think have very different feels to them, which I think is really, really cool. And we were talking about, you were talking about like sequencing and I was totally in agreement with you that this sort of belongs in the middle. This is the empire strikes back of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit darker, a little bit moodier. Um, yeah, it's terrific. Okay. Here it is. All the rage. Don't make 
side house a crack up now when the producers of the rage carry 2 came to you and commissioned mm-hmm. this song yes absolutely did they know it would take you 19 years to complete i guess they didn't i mean <laughs> to be fair i can't do the math but i was only 22 mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. you needed some life gonna, experience I mean, before you could complete the song yes that joke would have worked much better if I was as young as I think that I am, <laughs> and I had been actually like 11 or something. And I'm like 22. I'm a fully functioning adult at this point. I can buy liquor and I should be able to complete a commission for the producers of Carrie too. So that's not, so that's not funny. No, no it, one, it was funny not, enough. It worked. Okay. <laughs> I guess my faux pas was more amusing than the actual joke. Yeah. But uh, yes, it worked out. Okay. Yeah, in the end. So, um, all right, we got one more song to play later in the show. We have a few more horror movie songs to talk about before yes, so we get just you know just uh, shiver with anticipation. So my next song <laughs> is, um, well, I think falls under the cat. There's a whole category of uh, horror movie needle drop type songs mm-hmm. that are the. This is an old song. Ain't it creepy that it's old? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know the you know the the um, when I was when I, when I was trying to do a little bit of a little bit of research, see, make sure I hadn't forgotten anything major that I should have uh, yeah. picked up. I did a little you know little research to see what other people said about good songs and horror movies. And someone uh, brought up uh, probably the only time anyone would bring up the film uh, is it fourteen oh eight? What's the name of that? Is that it? It the, is fourteen oh eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. Phew. And uh, only just begun you know, kind of plays at various points, pops in, and it's sort of the thing where it's here's here's an old song. Mm-hmm. It sure is creepy that it's playing. Um, you know, here's a song from the twenties that we you know that someone sang in through a microphone. <laughs> Isn't it creepy that right. this doll is trying to kill everyone? Megaphone. Um, but this one <laughs> exactly so <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but electric diver, electric diver. <laughs> Oh, Angela, Angela, <laughs> Angela, thank you. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think uh, this uh, this this song that I chose, uh, though it falls kind of loosely into that category, is much more central to the plot of the film. Uh, it's another film that we mentioned earlier, uh, and as far as Adam Risky wrote a seven-word review of it, uh, yes. the film Lady in the White, Lady in White, yeah. uh, hinges around the song. Uh, have, did you ever wait? Did, Did you ever see, see a dream, dream walking? Walking. Yeah. Um, I guess the Bing Crosby version, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever see a dream walking? Well, I did. Did you ever hear a dream talking? Well, I did. And and in that in that film, uh, that song is played, and it is creepy because it's old, but it also. Um, plays a very central parts of the plot, which I will not spoil if you have not seen the film Lady What, which you should. I think I like that is a movie that I will go back to and I should go back to again at some point this month because I like it a whole lot. Even if it is a little uh specific to one person's idea of what the past was like. <laughs> right. That's fine. Like I like that is how I like my ghost stories. Yeah. And I like my ghost stories. <laughs> Incredibly subjective. 
Um, yes. it, no, that is a great example of exactly what you're talking about, which is, uh, this is creepy because it's old and yet it doesn't feel, uh, cynical in the case of lady in white, because nothing about lady in white is cynical. Right. It is the most sincere movie ever made. Um, another song, but, you know, similar. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say like, like, I bet we could compile a list of like things that are thrown into horror movies just to seem creepy. Like children laughing. Well, so so the one that I'm thinking of, and, and eventually is used to good effect, but it's 100 like let's throw this in because it's old and creepy, is uh, Tiny Tim doing tiptoe through the tulips in the Insidious, like the first ah, two yes. Insidious movies. Yeah, yeah, it ends up being effective, but it's very cynical. It's like, well, this is, and it's Tiny Tim, so of course it's creepy, but it's like, oh, wouldn't this be weird and creepy and sort of out of context? Uh, so they throw it in there and it ends up working, but it is, you know, kind of born out of cynicism. I feel like they could, I feel like there must be other things that they could mine. Like, I feel like, okay, chill, okay, laughing kids is played out. Oh yeah. Old movies. Like, let's find things that are like nostalgic and old, like, I don't know, just randomly like Werther's originals candies or like on a <laughs> table. Like that would be creepy. Boys right? like, love candy. candy. Right, exactly. Like ribbon uh, candy. Just shows <laughs> I'm mostly thinking candy at the moment. I don't know why. I'm trying to do other things. Well, the but. whole like mascot of the Saw franchise was sort of like, wouldn't it be creepy if there was a puppet on a tricycle that was squeaking? I mean, everything about it is like uh, a Venn diagram of creepy that right. y- uh, you can't imagine any human actually putting that together to scare people. But, and yet, there it is. Or control it with any kind of consistency. <laughs> right. To be honest. But I mean, like, I mean, so dolls... Basically, yeah. things things that kids and old people like are right. creepy. Apparently, Matlock. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, Matlock. Oh, well, please come on. This is a family show. <laughs> Don't scare people with them with all that Matlock talk. Um, one of my f- and yes, this- yes, all of our references to everything come from The Simpsons. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Ribbon candy and Matlock. Yes. This is not uh, my choice number four, but since we're talking needle drops, I just want to mention one of my favorites. Uh, and that is Iron Maiden's Flash of the Blade from the, uh, from Phenomena. I'm not okay. sure uh, any song has ever been better than Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden. Listen to it five times and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, my number four. Again, I was trying to go a, a little bit more obscure. Uh, comes from the end credits of the horror anthology Chillerama, which is inconsistent um it uh <laughs> so a horror anthology it uh it is you know it was made by four different filmmakers adam rifkin tim sullivan adam green and joe lynch i really like three of those filmmakers i can't say that i love their installments although i basically like all three of their installments there is a fourth that almost single-handedly torpedoes the entire film but the end credits Uh, are set to the song and the music video uh, by a band called Young Beautiful in a Hurry, which is fronted by uh, Brendan McCreary, who actually plays a part in the movie. He's sort of the lead of the Joe Lynch segment zombie movie. Uh, And the song is called I Don't Want to Die a Virgin. But if the nightmare should come... Uh, 
very catchy, only sort of tangentially related to horror. Um, but I have tremendous affection for it because it reminds me of watching the movie and it reminds me of the end credits. And the video is really great because as they play the song, they're sort of being attacked by zombies. And uh, so naturally I have I make horror connections, even if they're not explicit in the song. But I really like the song. No, that's great. Yeah. I've not seen that. You know what? The inconsistency of the horror anthology film is such a, you know, it's such a, you can basically, you can, you can set your watch to it, right? I mean, every, almost without exception, there are a few that are just good across the board. But yeah. for the most part, horror anthologies are uneven. Which leads me, as someone who writes horror anthology songs, yes. to wonder if there's like one verse in each of my songs that's just like, <laughs> this is a stinker. Like, oh, this is a real oh, lonesome oh, death of Jordy Vermeer. I know I've only got only two, two in this new one. So like, which one is like? Ooh, yikes! I guess yeah. maybe maybe it was the one that I cut. <laughs> maybe although the one that I cut was I thought was okay. Hmm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll put the lyrics up to that excised verse on Twitter or something sometime. I like that. You know, little yeah. little bonus content for the <laughs> for social media for social the um, rock star away. Is anyway. this is this your number five? This will be my number five, okay. but I could have picked a variety. I could have picked almost any of the Needle Drop songs in the film American Werewolf from London. Oh yes, in London, I should say. Sorry, if he, if he was from London, he wouldn't be an American, <laughs> American werewolf. werewolf from London. <laughs> Oi, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> it's very confusing. I think there was an entire season of Friends that was about that. Um, but no, the song that I chose was Blue Moon. Very nice. Um, I could have gone with Bad Moon Rising, but I have a particular affection for doo-wop. That is as true as my desire to know for a certain that Bigfoot exists. I will defend doo-wop to the grave. <laughs> and uh, Blue Moon is an awfully good song. So, is Blue Moon and the song that is playing during the big transformation? I think that's Bad Moon Rising. No, they, it's definitely not Bad Moon Rising. Is it not? What's, isn't, I, thought, I thought Blue Moon would played over the opening credits. Yeah, I think you're right. And or the closing credits. What yeah. the hell is the song during the transformation? I'm very upset because I can like I can almost hear it. It is a famous song. It's um, Wolf Song what I've been looking for. <laughs> it's theme from American Werewolf from London. <laughs> <laughs> and uh shoot. What yeah. I'm trying to uh look it up right now. It's not Blue Moon. It's not Bad Moon Rising. It's uh, not. It's, could it be a different Blue Moon? Uh, what? No. Oh, oh, that's right. Moon Dance is in there too, but that's not the one. Yeah, it's just a lot of like Blue Songs. Moons. <laughs> a lot of versions of Blue Moon. A lot, a lot of. Uh, this is fun for everybody. Yeah, no, it definitely is. All right. Play anyway, sorry. I could, as soon as we're choice. done, as soon as we're done, I can put in American Wolf in London and have this question answered. So those of you. It's, who are freaking out at your computers or your phones or whatever you're listening to right now, like, hey, dummies, it's this. We will already know by the time this podcast airs, you're, I think. You're, you're sure that it's not bad. We're, we're sure that's not bad Moon Rising. I'm, is that right? I'm, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm sure everyone else is sure. Okay. Here are the songs, according to IMDb, <laughs> that are in American and the soundtrack Blue Moon. Yeah. Got that. Blue Moon, <laughs> apparently also in there. Moon Dance, Bad Moon Rising. Blue Moon. Boy, I got three Blue Moons so far. Yeah. 
Rebel. I feel like it's like the uncredited. Sam Cooke one or something. But Passport. Um, there are no. Everything else is Rebel. Passport <sighs> for Soho. These are all seem to be instrumental ones. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the it's the Sam Cooke that at least starts that scene. But I could be wrong. Which um, Sam Cooke? The Sam Cooke cover of Blue Moon. Oh, it could be. I mean, the problem is just like, yeah, it's it's, just, uh, it's, a, it's, it's all slower, Moon. right? It, I remember it being kind of a slower, gentler song. So it's not the one that ends the movie. Um, oh wait, and, hold on. There's oh, something here. Okay. Wait, no. Oh, oh wait, hold we on. Have I an gotta, answer. Maybe Sam. Okay, here we go. All right. Films, the films. I this is I'm reading from Wikipedia now. Okay. All right. The film's ironically upbeat soundtrack. I guess that's fine. Consists of songs which refer to the moon. We got mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Helpful. Um, okay, here we go. Credence Clearwater Revival's Bad Moon Rising plays as David nears the moment of changing the werewolf. A soft, bittersweet ballad version of Blue Moon by Sam Cooke plays during the agonizing Boom. wolf transformation. Boom. That only took Marcel- us five minutes, everyone. And the Marcel's doo-wop version of Blue Moon plays over the end credits. There so they is. have three different versions of... So I, I, guess, I, I guess I picked the one that is... Played the most often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was on purpose. <laughs> um, all right. I guess I have one more. There's so many, like, I feel like I have all these honorable mentions, but we can, uh, we can have some, I, I, I pulled a few other honorable mentions. All right. So we can, we can honorably mention some things. All right. Very good. Then I will make my number five. You know, I was torn between which sort of hair metal ish song I was going to choose. I already mentioned I mean I already mentioned Dream Warriors. I thought about Trick or Treat by Fast Way. I went with the least obvious, which is a song that has nothing to do with the movie that it's from, and a movie that I'm not particularly crazy about. And that movie is Strangeland, written by D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. The movie is not great, and yet over the end credits is this anthemic upbeat song called Heroes Are Hard to Find has nothing to do with the movie uh, in terms of what the song is about, has nothing to do with the movie tonally. The movie is very dark and sort of like around that Saw time, although it might predate Saw, but it has that same feel. Uh, And then the song is just this great rock anthem that I love. Should we do some honorable mentions? Yeah, just honorable mentions. Honor, 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 honorable, honorable. There it is. Easily, easier set. Easy, <laughs> honor. <clears throat> what are some of your honorable mentions, sir? My honorable mentions. So this, obviously, I feel like I had heard the song Don't Fear the Reaper earlier in life. But the, the, the one that really, the time I heard it that really cemented it for me was when it was played at the beginning of the stand mm-hmm. uh, made for TV movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is my honorable mention pick. Number one, <laughs> don't fear the reaper. 
Because I also like to go for the obscure songs. Yeah. Um, there's a like a kind of a cool acoustic cover of that that plays, I think, when Billy first sneaks into Sydney's window in the first scream. Oh, um, yeah. I uh, Oh, here's one for me. Uh, Fall Break by Peter Yellen, which uh, comes from the movie The Mutilator. And again, The Mutilator was originally called Fall Break, and the song comes on, and it's incredibly upbeat and catchy and belongs uh, as the opening of, like, an 80s teen sex comedy, not a movie in which all of the characters are going to be graphically butchered. Uh, (laughs) It is, once again, very, very out of step with what the rest of the movie is, but a very catchy song. Excellent. Uh, Another honorable mention for me is a song that I... Is a good song in a good movie. This scene is often held up by people as being like the best scene in this movie. Uh, and I feel kind of bad that it doesn't move me the way it does everyone mm. else. But it's still an honorable mention because I feel like it's still significant. Yeah. The film is a conjuring too. Okay. This, this scene is when uh, Patrick Wilson plays Can't Help Falling in Love. Yeah. Which, I mean, is fine. It's yeah. a good song. Yeah, I don't. I, I like I'm, I'm I like sort of with you in that I don't have the exact same reaction. I mean, I, I, I've always been a little, a little, a little struck by how much everyone seems to love that scene. Not ever, not everyone. I shouldn't say, yeah. but a lot of people seem to love that scene, and I like it. It's just fine. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's why it's an honorable mention and not uh, in my five. That's right. Because I feel like it would be in someone else's five, but it's not in my five. Okay. Uh, my next honorable mention is the five blobs performing the blob uh because it is just the goofiest little novelty song about and what, the and blob. what uh which movie is that i'm sorry that comes from the omen okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's it that's it funny. A... it's funny funny because theme from omen is a uh, is the theme song to the blob <laughs> that's really weird but yeah go ahead are you talking about just what i've been looking for yes the blob damien damien's for. theme yeah <laughs> <laughs> Damien's blob, parentheses, just what I've been looking for. I feel like I missed such a huge opportunity to add a parenthetical to one of my songs <laughs> on this EP and call it just what I've been looking for. It's right. But I don't need the sleepaway camp folks banging at my door. I've seen what they have in mind, and what they're looking for is not me. Yeah. Um, any other honorable mentions? Uh, yes, one more. Okay. And this is uh, more of a horror comedy. But uh, in uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Don't Stop Me Now, oh, playing yeah. over that fight in the in the, the Winchester pub there, is particularly memorable. That is pretty great with the it's timing of the editing. And uh... yes. And, and, what, and, and what, that, what that timing would presage for a young director named Edgar Wright and what he would go on to do. <laughs> And that and that boy grew up to be Edgar Wright. <laughs> and um, that's yeah. Go ahead. I have uh, just a few more that I will mention quickly. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, "Everybody But You" by Joe Toronto, which opens "Night Train to Terror," a horror anthology that is nearly unwatchable and mostly unfinished. I think it was cut together by three different. Uh, failed movies that they just decided to throw together in three different unfinished movies that they decided to put together in an anthology. And yet there's like this eight minute opening dance number 
to this incredibly catchy song called Everybody But You, which is the best thing about the movie. Um, another needle drop, No One, no One Lives Forever by Oingo Boingo, which plays during uh, the first Leatherface attack uh, during Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. No surprise there that I mentioned that. And I feel like I had one more. Maybe not. Maybe that was it for me. That's disappointing. Oh, well. Well, it could be a different version of Blue Moon from <laughs> America, American World from you know London. What, uh, you might be right. It just might be. So do you think I could make a movie called American Werewolf from London and no one would be able to touch me because it's totally different? I'm almost positive. Is it like a like a sex in the city type of a yes. situation yes. where it's like, you know, all right. An American werewolf from London. <laughs> um, it's confusing. So uh, thanks for talking about all these songs with me. It was really fun. Yeah, I hope that this was a thing that people enjoy listening to. I hope so, too. And I mean uh, – I mean, I certainly enjoyed not having to watch a movie or series of movies. <laughs> That's right. We for the for to... the express purpose of talking about it on this podcast, so yeah. that was nice. Um, most of these songs already exist on an iTunes playlist that I listen to all October long. So this was yeah. not hard for me to be like, oh, what are the songs that I get excited when they come on? Um, naturally, it's Angela's theme, parenthetical, just what I've been looking for. <laughs> um but yeah, thank you guys for listening uh, and please continue to participate in the Scary Movie Challenge. Please check out Eric's Twitter. We'll retweet it from the F This Movie Twitter. We'll put it in the show notes at fthismovie.com where you can find Eric's EP. Um, and before we go, we're going we're gonna to go out on one more song, yes? Yes, one more song. And this one is perhaps a touch seasonal. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to extend the life of the EP into the Thanksgiving season as well. As the Halloween season. Well, I think it's also related. And this is a, it's called My My Parenthetical uh, Pumpkin Pie. So this is a song. This is a love song about pie. Or is it, <laughs> you know, songs about pie or never songs about pie. So anyway, this is, uh, this is the, the, the closing, the closing tune from my EP. This is the spiritual sequel to Warren's Cherry Pie, yes? Yes. I think, you know, I think, I think there should be a, uh, a series of pies available uh, you know, if, if you if you go to Thanksgiving, yeah. pro- is there an apple pie song? Because uh, probably, I mean, we I'll could just put together a whole pie EP, a pie P. That would not be <laughs> a pie EP. That's good. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it after. Uh, anyway, here is my my pumpkin pie. Thank you guys very much for listening, uh, Eric. This EP, it's just what I've been looking for.
Thanks for listening to FS Movie.